Hello and welcome to Movies on the Side. This is Stephen Robles. And this is Nate Baranowski. And today we review the 2011 remake of Footloose. We take a journey to Accent Corner to talk about Ren's Boston accent. We hit the lackluster romances in today's movie. We talk about if Zac Efron would have been better in this movie. Dennis Quaid gives possibly his worst performance in a movie ever. I don't agree. We also discuss Beaumont's Laws, because how important is public dancing anyway? And listen to an unhinged Stephen Robles. All this and more on today's Movies on the Side. P.S. He hates this movie. This week, we reviewed the 2011 version of Footloose. Nate? Yes? I'm mad. (laughs) I'm mad about this movie. I'm mad that you recommended this and subjected both my wife and I to this movie. My wife and I watched this together. I want to tell you something, Nate. I turned this movie on. Mm -hmm. It's on Amazon Prime, even though I don't recommend it. Mm -hmm. It's free. It's free. No one should watch this movie. So even forget that I said it. I will will do my best this whole time to convince you otherwise. (sighs) Nate, I watched the first mm, minute of the movie Uh with the opening dance scene. Yes. And I turned it off. I turned it off. I didn't even get to the inciting incident. There's no spoilers. No spoilers in this first half. I mean... I didn't even get to it, and I had to turn it off. You can say no spoilers all you want. This is a nine-year-old remake of a movie that came like 26 years before that. So if you don't know what Footloose is about, like I don't know what there is to spoil in this movie. Well, here's the thing. I didn't know. I had not seen the original or anything Footloose related. Oh, got it. Okay. I just knew the song. Footloose. Foot, that's all I knew. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know what the inciting incident was. And so I just turned it off because I couldn't stand it. We'll get into some specifics. I'm going to give you the Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Do you have any idea what the critics gave this movie? I think the critics gave this movie 41%. I was appalled when I looked up this Rotten Tomato score, and saw that critics gave it 69%. Mm. That's almost 70% mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes. And the audience score, Nate, is 61. Mm-hmm. Actually, less than the critics, which I find a little ironic. Mm-hmm. To compare, the original 1984 version, which stars Kevin Bacon, which we will get to after the spoiler horn, because I watched those other scenes that you had recommended on YouTube. Perfect. 50% for the 1984 version. 50% on critic score and 71 for audience. It flip-flopped. Audiences like the older version better. Nate, I enjoyed almost nothing about this movie. I can't believe it. I found the premise and the plot to be ridiculous. I thought every character was either wooden or a, a hyperbole of, of a character or person. Do you mean a facsimile? Sure, that too. <laughs> I found. Dennis Quaid to have his worst performance in a movie I've ever seen. I would rate Day After Tomorrow as like 3x better Dennis Quaid than in this movie, the 20, 2011 Footloose. I, I couldn't stand this movie, Nate. I am pleasantly delighted <laughs> by the 2011 Footloose. In general, the plot and overall concept of this movie is, yes, it is garbage. Okay. <laughs> Okay, we can agree. I was really afraid you were going to say that you enjoyed it. No, no, no. Like the overall the overall thing is just it's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. But unlike you, I find a lot of the characters delightful. 
I found oh. the dance scenes enjoyable. I found the side characters, I don't fun. I found this movie, this movie is fun in the way that Step Up is fun. Okay, stop, I'm going to stop you right there. When this movie started, I immediately thought Step Up because mm-hmm. you subjected me to that movie mm-hmm. and we watched it. Mm-hmm. And I will just say right here at the outset, I would vastly prefer rewatching Step Up as opposed to this 2011 Footloose. I am perplexed by your opinion because I thought that you would be a little more balanced in it. And the fact that you have fallen so far on the hating it side, I am actually, I'm very excited to (laughs) dig into this movie further with you. Because it must have plucked some sort of cord in your little Steven Robles heart that you did not like being plucked. The reason is I thought this was a musical movie. Which it is. Oh. Or not really. Like, this was not a Broadway musical. It became a Broadway musical. Yes. For two years, Footloose, it was, yes, became one. I would much prefer watching Cats on Broadway than I would this movie again. Which, side note, I watched some of that original Cats Broadway that's on YouTube right now. We can't. We can't right now. We can't get into it right now. Okay, we won't get into it. All right. First of all, I was expecting either musical level enjoyment from whatever numbers which there's not really musical numbers in there it's just dancing mm-hmm. or a like step up rom comish type story and i feel like i got neither mm-hmm. what i got was a over expletive filled overly sexualized movie that didn't even know what time period it was set in <laughs> like one of one of my biggest complaints about this movie is you can't really tell what year it's supposed to take place in. The original is in 1984. This movie is made in 2011, but seems like it's trying to be placed in 1984. Some of the cars, sometimes some of the outfits. It is so homage to the original. And I think that's where the, a lot of confusion lies. Is like, for example, that car is the same car that Kevin Bacon as Ren did. And right. I'm with you. The timing, the the year that this is placed in is so strange. I just couldn't, like, I couldn't tell what the movie was trying to do. Like, I get the homage. After seeing the old YouTube clips, I was like, okay, the dress that she wears is the exact same dress. The car that he drives, exact same car. But then it's also like a modern retelling of it. And he has an iPod classic circa 2006, 2007 in the car. But I felt like, so much of the movie was placed in the 1980s. Some of the cars, the church that Dennis Quaid is like the pastor of seems like it comes right out of the 80s. The, again, a lot of the cars, like the characters, just like the... Yes. And again, I've never, I haven't spent much time in West Virginia. It's actually Georgia, but that's cool. One of my notes that I have in all caps is what year is it? Yes. I don't know. All of that was very frustrating watching the movie. And then I feel like there's these cultural hyperboles. So you have the main character, Ren... Who knows what accent he's speaking of? We'll get into that <laughs> later. Maybe he's from Boston. Maybe he's from Brooklyn. Maybe he's from Wisconsin. Who knows? And then the Southern good old boy characters that are in this movie are super crude, but then also kind of nice. When Willard and Ren first meet in school, like it was just such a weird, mm-hmm. the word Yankee was used like 20 times in this movie, mostly in a derogatory term, sometimes not. Mm-hmm. I, I It was so confusing, so all over the place. Steven, give me a rating for this movie. <laughs> okay, all right. I want to rate this movie. 
on a scale of zero to five mason jars because that chandelier at the end of this movie has 1,000 mason jars attached. <laughs> and it is too many. It is too many mason jars, much like there's too many of other things in this movie. I just I need to tell you too before I rate it and before we get to all the spoiler stuff, I didn't even stick around to watch the final dance. No way. I turned it off. There is no way. I couldn't do it. I didn't watch it. And my, my wife was like, you're not even going to watch the finale? I said, no, I can't stand it. Can't do it. I cannot believe, I cannot believe this right now. I didn't do it. I just scrubbed through right to the end, make sure there was no more talking or whatever, and I, and I was done. I'm giving this one mason jar, Nate. This is a one mason jar movie. I will give 2011 <laughs> Footloose three mason jars. It is a two and a half mason jar movie. I'm going to give it three because you have not given it its fair shake, and I'm giving it an extra point. Eight. It is free on Amazon Prime. I recommend that people give it a try. And you say nay. Nay, this is half a point under Ford v. Ferrari, the critically acclaimed 90-plus percent Rotten Tomatoes movie. Okay, fine, Christian fine. Bale it's two and, and a half. Damon. Two and a half. Two and a half mason jars. Okay. Thank you. Okay, thank you. I can at least tolerate that. <laughs> okay, middle of the road, we'll call it. Two and a half. Nate, I need you to defend to me like Ren in the Beaumont's courtroom, I'm going to come to the stand, and you like Dennis Quaid. Nate, he doesn't even, he says, in the book of Samuel, and then he quotes a verse. That's not a book of the Bible, Nate. It's First Samuel or Second Samuel. <laughs> he doesn't even quote it from the actual book. Now, if anybody else brought their Bible, like I did, will you please turn it to the book of Samuel, 614. You're letting your Beaumont frustrations cloud your judgment. I will show you the clear path to an enjoyable movie. Let's begin with the um, worst part of it, which is the, the overall plot and conceit <laughs> of this movie. This movie begins with a car accident. The town then puts together a bunch of laws. And it is like the town, hey, uh, we're now going to outlaw underage drinking. We're going to outlaw illegal drugs. They go through this list and I think, aren't those things already like illegal? Like should they just throw on at the very end, like, and public dance. And loud, mu loud music, Nate. <laughs> loud music. Yes, you can get arrested for loud music. My first question to you is this, Stephen. I needed to see a scene of someone breaking this law because you can talk about there being a law against public dancing all you want. And by the way, it's only minors. This is only for people beneath the age of 18. Well, Nate, once you turn 18, you become an adult <laughs> and then all you do is worry because that's the job of an adult as per Ren in that court scene. And kids adults are to dance. The only job of a teenager is to live according to Ren. Because that is the job of a parent, to worry. But us as teenagers is to live. Living equals dance, Nate. You cannot live without dance. Let me tell you something. That sheriff who pulled over Ren earlier in the movie, if he sees those two little girls who sing the uh, Let's Hear It For The Boys out there and dancing, does he have to arrest them? What I'm saying is, is anyone currently locked up in county? He's like, hey, this guy, he was gliding. He was popping and he was locking. I find this ridiculous. I mean, he, <laughs> Ren gets pulled over, not even for speeding in his VW Bug, but for playing the music loud. And then he has to go to court to defend himself. It is ridiculous. <laughs> Nate, everything. And then in the court scene, it's alluded to that there's a, something like 20 to 30 laws that came into being because of that 
night where five teenagers died, none of this is believable. And the one law that he's challenging is to dance in public as though it is the equivalent of needing to breathe, that dancing should be some universal right. And I mean, again, I'm not some great dancer. I've only gone swing dancing once, but the amount of passion that these kids have for dancing (laughs) does not seem to equal out to actually what it is. Yes. The whole argument of like, we need to dance and like, we need to be free as kids. And it's like, well, hold on a second. I saw you dance a lot during this and no one ever, like I, I saw you guys all go to a line dance. I saw you guys go to back of a 1980s diner dance. It was a movie theater. It was a it was a drive-in movie. Because it's the 1980s or it's 2000. This is what I'm saying, Nate. I was so angry. <laughs> the final dance scene, there's a couple fun moments. Ren, not really much of anything. Defend to me then the dance in the warehouse where Ren is solo. And we spend I, like 15 I, minutes watching him just be mad. It's like a shot for shot of the old. I, I cannot defend that dance. <laughs> Even the I went back and watched the original on YouTube. Could you send me the clip? It's weird then too. Yeah. Kevin Bacon. Oh, it's weird both ways. But it's iconic in a way that like they felt like they had to do it. Iconic in what we, like all the flashbacks are weird. Footloose has a pull on a lot of people that watched it in the 80s. It has a lot of of a following. Well, that, that's a that's troubling. I I will not be following this movie. This <laughs> this is Okay, okay. Hold on a second. So back to the back to the whole thing. This is the main spoiler and I'd think probably the worst part of the plot. This town's laws does not change. This movie ends. Nothing changes about this town. In fact, the law does not get repealed. There is still a ban against minors dancing in public in Beaumont. What they did, though, is they did this dance across the street at this cotton gin, which is literally across the street from the water tower that says Beaumont on it. Which, wh- whoever gerrymandered Beaumont to make it so that you could be outside city limits but see the water tower across town, is that is that stretches, cr- strains credulity. <laughs> you have a question on here. Would Zac Efron be better as Ren? Okay, so Zac Efron was originally offered the role of Ren over Kenny Warmold. I can see why I turned it down. He was uh, doing Charlie St. Cloud instead. He didn't want to just be pigeonholed into, I can sing and dance. You, you come off of all the high school musical stuff. You don't want to just be that. Would he be better than Kenny Warmold? Yes, I think if it was Zac Efron and Zendaya from The Greatest Showman, it would have been a better movie. I still think the premise and plot is problematic. I still think... This movie is rated PG-13, and I had to check multiple times to make sure I wasn't like reading it wrong, because I feel like one of the biggest knocks on this movie is it is profane in an unnecessary way, and then really hypersexualized in an unnecessary way. And for not knowing what year it is, like when it takes place, that's just so unnecessary. No, something that I'm, I'm confused about is you say this hypersexualized way. I don't think I, maybe I was watching a different cut than you, or maybe we have different views of what that would be, but... I found, like, for the most part, it has, I would call it eighth grade boy crudeness when it comes to, like, sort of the talk. In in the dialogue, especially Willard, he says a lot of awkward things Yes, that are sexual. And then Ariel dresses pretty provocatively the entire movie, takes her shirt off during that bus racing scene. All the dance scenes have, like, pretty suggestive moves. Like, there's never a dance where it's, like... A fun like the finale is the only one after just watching. I it. mean the the line dance. Even the line dance though is 
kind of awkward like because then even willard had like awkward lines all around that hmm. line dancing both to like the girl who was trying to teach people line dancing and to ren when they're watching the vw bug it's like a really awkward conversation i just i, I found it Another weird sexual part is when Ariel is walking down the bleachers of the racing track and some guy that takes a bad. picture. See? Okay, that was bad. And that was, yes. Yeah, so. I'll give you that. That was like, and you know what? I think that's, there's part of me that thinks that this movie came in 2011 before more sensitivity kind of in the, just in general. Yeah. That did not age well. No, and this this movie would not be made as it was today. No, no, like no. A 2020 Footloose would not would look anything like this one. I think I would enjoy a 2020 Footloose, no, to be honest. No, I will never. <laughs> no. I'll say the one line that I laughed at is when Ren and his uncle are getting in the car and he's asking about, like, why can't you buy beer on Sunday? You can't buy beer on Sundays. And why not? Sunday is God's day. If you want to drink beer on God's day, you need to buy it on Bear's day, which is Saturday. <laughs> right there in the bible if you don't believe me we have several other things to talk about but i will continue on trying to convince you that there are at least good parts of this movie convinced me then about dennis quaid dennis quaid did a passable do you believe he is a preacher at a church yes see i feel like even that was pretty weak i thought he was a passable Again, small town city council slash preacher. Okay, passable for what year? We have computers in our pockets, telephones in our automobiles, and money on a plastic card. Now, okay, now this is this also involves him hitting his daughter. So right. speaking of things that are like super, I thought that was a like jarring moment in this movie. Yeah. And I thought his reaction to that, her reaction to that, and then him sitting on that swing and talking to Andy McDowell, who is mostly an absent parent in this whole movie as his wife. I thought that was good as far as an acting ability. When Dennis Quaid slaps his daughter, that is a very jarring moment. Yeah. Didn't really expect it. And you do feel something then, but also that whole scene's dialogue is kind of just spouting out everything we know. Like her older brother died and then things were bad and the dad ignored her. And so it was kind of a little bit of exposition, just telling anybody who maybe didn't get it up to this point. And the, the slap, while it was provocative, I guess you could say. Provocative, yes. I didn't feel good resolution after that. Like, he never apologized. He didn't apologizes. see an apology. <laughs> no, exactly. He, he doesn't apologize. He basically preaches the next Sunday saying, hey, sometimes parents make mistakes. And then the next scene is him putting a corsage on his daughter and them hugging. And I'm like, ah. Yeah, you want a little more there? I think another good scene with Dennis Quaid is when Dennis Quaid is acting alongside Ray McKinnon, who plays Wes. Even you have to admit that Wes, as the dad figure, along with Kim Dickens, who plays uh, Lulu, he is great in this movie. When he tells Dennis Quaid, You may think that Wren isn't good enough for your daughter, but Reverend... I could argue it's the other way around. That was cold. That was awesome, though. And Wes also has a couple other moments. Yeah, he talks about the, the, the beer on Saturday, but also he says something like, it's grass-fed beef. Right. <laughs> a little bit of possum. That was funny. And then when he's in the courtroom scene helping Ren get out of the ticket, he's talking to the judge. Yeah. Wes, call me judge, would you? Okay, Judge Eddie. 
He was playing his music too loud. About as loud as you used to play Leonard Skinner in that old Impala man you used to roll in. Remember that? That was funny. That was good. I thought everything that he delivered, like the kind of man he was, was just like a good small town guy who's like doing his best. After he says that whole thing to Dennis Quaid, and then he says just like, see you in church. Yeah, that was pretty good. And it's like a, ooh, mic drop. He was probably one of the best character, probably the best character in the movie, which he doesn't have a lot of screen time. (laughs) So it's like... It's hard to judge the movie on his performance. But what about Woody? If we're talking about all my other favorite characters, we got the guy who plays Fridge from Jumanji 10 years earlier is still playing a high school student. This guy does not age. No, he was good. The cotton factory owner was good. That cotton gin owner, one of uh, whatever Ariel's old boyfriend, one of his like cronies, comes up behind Ren with a brick, <laughs> which I assume... Fast forward that three seconds, he's about to murder Ren right. with a brick to the back of the head. Like, right. that's not just beating someone up. That's like, that's going to be a murder. Right. And he comes back and he says the line, play fair, punk. Yeah. <laughs> Left hand socks this high yes. schooler. The character's name is Andy Bemis, played by L. Warren Young. Mr. Bemis. Yeah, he was great. Yes. Play fair, punk. Now that you mention it, that final fight scene, which I feel is totally unnecessary to the plot and story. It was a bad fight scene. There is a moment in the 2011 version where Ren does this like Wolverine style jump off the stairs, <laughs> like fists out in a Superman position. It looks like he's almost flying yes. towards the other guy. That was weird. And then, in the, but in the 1984 version, Kevin Bacon does like a flying kick. Oh, I didn't see that. To the guy. Yeah. Kevin Bacon's version is much better. I'll say that. <laughs> but the fight scene is just weird like, I understand they're doing it, I guess, to be, like, shot for shot from the original. Right. It just felt unnecessary. Like, just have the final dance. Why are we fighting? And then Mr. Bemis has to be like, all right, the fight scene's over. Now go to go have a dance scene. Right. He's basically saying, like, hey, move on to the next scene in the movie. Right. And then they're all, like, happily and giggly again, and they run in. It's like, you guys all just got beaten <laughs> to a pulp. Right. You always got punched and different things. Now it's like, oh, yeah, we're ready to dance. Yeah. They were just rolling around in the dirt outside, and yet they come in and they're like, "Oh, squeaky!" Hey, they seem clean and fine. Yeah, squeaky clean. Now I will tell you, of all the characters, Chuck, who plays the boyfriend of Ariel for most of the movie, mm-hmm. he at least does a good job of being hateable. He's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, he does a good job of being a jerk. They play that character hard and heavy. Oof. Like he is every every possible like signal and clue they can give you that this guy's no good. Yeah. And even like they would they they cut from him basically pressing Ariel to sleep with him. Like and they go into what I assume to be one of your favorite moments, the holding out for a hero uh song. <laughs> that arrangement is atrocious. Oh man. I listened to it today after you put it in the notes cuz I needed to hear. It's bad, right? I mean, I didn't mind it. Uh. Need a hero. Let me say that a theme that I found good was this. There is deep, deep hurt and wounds in Ariel showcased in this movie. It is a movie that doesn't earn it all the time. But the fact that she is dealing with a boyfriend pressuring her to do stuff with a parent that's not really active in her life with a 
incredible grief of losing her brother but not really being able to talk about it suicidal thoughts and like the whole thing the scene with the uh, railway and like all this stuff yeah. and this like searching for using boyfriends as a, a means to cope with that like and well and then getting beat up being like physically abused so so many deep things that you would say like man that's worth a conversation like if you were watching this because i think this movie back in 2011 was meant to like catch a late teen I think when it was first kind of like that's the demographic. I think if you were watching it with especially a daughter or someone of that uh, age, I think that could bring up like a lot of interesting conversation. I am not in that position in life, but I found it trying to at least start a conversation about all of these very intense things. As Ren is gearing up to defend the practice of dancing Mm -hmm. in Beaumont. Mm Mm-hmm. He, throughout the movie, ties the death of his mother to various motivations. But I feel like to tie his experience of watching his mother die to justify why it's important to dance in public is a bit of a stretch. (laughs) A bit of a stretch is an understatement. That tie-in should have only been used, which I think it was kind of used adequately, in bonding the reverend with Ren. Yes. Like that was their com- that was their moment where they're like we've both lost people we love, and we like are still to this day in w- in a ways haunted by their memory. Right. But then using it for a justification <laughs> of like it's time so, to live and dance. So weird. I was just gonna say the the conversation between Ren and Dennis Quaid in the church that was decent, decent. This movie also tries to have it. It tried to have a cake and eat it too because it's putting together a world where all teenagers and all people are dance to the same song all together and they're showing like these different styles of dance which they just don't go together in the same song. Like you can't go from like somebody crumping followed by someone trying to do like a triple axel spin and like some sort of dramatic elbow thrust. Like it just... It doesn't all go together, and it's like, I also don't believe that all these kids are hanging out, doing all these different dances in this perfect utopia of dance all together. Yeah. All right. Talk to me about Accent Corner. This is one where I have come full circle. If you would have talked to me last week about Accent Corner, I would have had a very different take, but I have since done my research, and I, in some ways, have kind of seen the light. Here are we talking about. Everyone else got kind of a just ambiguous quote-unquote southern right we're just like everyone's just like tiny bit of drawl except maybe dennis quaid who said nah i'm good (laughs) (laughs) yeah he was rolling just with whatever yeah i think he was just talking in his normal voice but everyone else and same thing with julianne huff i'm not sure if she was going for anything the big thing is ren i mean like that is the the big out of the blue thing so i looked up ren because i thought to myself Maybe he's a British guy attempting a Boston accent because no. in this movie, he's from Boston. Now, Kevin Bacon is from Chicago in the old Footloose. And apparently, Kenny, he is from Boston. Right. He's from there. He's from there. And when he did his audition, he just spoke in his like Boston accent. And there, he said, well, no one stopped me. And they, they didn't tell me to do anything different. And later they came to him with a script and or came with like a revision. It's like, yeah, we're going to make you from Boston because we like how this sounds. I have now seen this movie twice, the once recently for in preparation for this. I think that that Boston accent is not bad. 
Now, here's, here's what I'm thinking. I don't know a ton of people from Boston. The accent itself is typically skewered in, especially in Midwest culture, for being kind of harsh or like hard on the ears. Right. I'm from central Illinois, where for the most part, I, I have a... A perfect accent. I have what the newscasters call the American Central <laughs> <laughs> accent. But I listened to a, an interview with him to see like, how far is this from you actually speaking? And it is a pumped up Boston accent. Mm. Like it's definitely pumped up more than what he does normally, which read in a different interview typically drops a little bit of his Boston accent at the door because he finds that it's a little abrasive. I mean, the Boston accent is known at times for being kind of an abrasive sounding thing to those people not from Boston. I think that it's distracting to me personally as a Midwest person Mm -hmm. and because it's put up against all these other Southern accents, but I think it's actually the best the movie could do to show that he's a fish out of water in Georgia. Mm. I think that was the closest they had to making him seem other. And that's fine. I mean, I was fine. I heard the Boston accent sometimes. My idea was, I feel like it wasn't super consistent. Like it was super heavy Boston. sometimes, Sometimes it was just, it seemed like a normal Midwest accent. Like, I, I feel like it went in and out. I'm thinking when you say unexpected trouble, you're talking about me, right? Believe me, don't believe me, suspend me, arrest me, I don't care. I think there was times where, like when he's talking to the sheriff, for example, or talking to that, the principal slash city council member, where I think it got boosted a little bit to show the juxtaposition of the two people, which... it's fine as a movie trope, I guess. I also thought some of the accents like Willard's kind of was a little inconsistent too. Like sometimes he would sound super Southern or super West Virginian. Sometimes not. It just felt a little. eh. Yes. Miles Teller who plays Willard. I feel like there were times that was kind of in and out too. Yeah. Was Julianne Huff doing uh, an accent? (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) Okay, I think she was just kind of doing her. She was just talking to you. Let's go straight out of Accent Corner into Romance Corner. Okay. Ren and Ariel. They had fine chemistry, I guess. You know, I wasn't crazy about Ren overall. Mm-hmm. So, like, the dancing, the accent, like, none of it really added up to a likable character for me. Mm-hmm. So, the romance was just kind of meh. I found it enjoyable that he says a couple lines, which I think were just pulled whole cloth from the old movie. But I like the idea of her saying, like, do you want to kiss me? Right. And he says, you want to kiss me? Someday. That was good. Yeah, that was a that was pulled directly from the whole one. I like that whole thought of like, I do not want to just like spill into a relationship with you just because like right. I want something real with you, which I think has some heart to it. Yeah, so it was fine. What did what did you what about uh, Willard and Rusty? I didn't know they were in a relationship for most of this movie. <laughs> right. Two last thoughts. Of all the laws that they passed in this town, they probably mm-hmm. should have outlawed school bus derby driving. <laughs> I mean, of all the things that are dangerous, that's probably t- that's probably up on the list. That whole school bus derby thing. I, okay, I did like some little part, parts of Miles Teller jumping on that bus with Woody and saying, like, you know you're on fire. 
which is kind of fun. The danger associated with doing a figure eight derby is so like you guys could die. That and finally during the last courtroom scene when Ren is defending it, I did have to look up the Ecclesiastes verse. Because when he said there's a time to mourn and a time to dance, I thought it was just mm-hmm. it was too good of a line. But it actually is a Bible verse. Yeah. Ecclesiastes 3, 4. There is a time to dance, apparently. There is a time to dance. Now, I don't know <laughs> how that <laughs> goes into his argument. I mean, at the end of the day, his argument wasn't good enough for them to change any laws. I think, it, I mean, his, his argument was basically like, hey, dancing's in the Bible. You shouldn't outlaw it. Right. And, oh, 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 and youth. Uh, the only thing they can do is live, because everything after they do as teenagers is worry. All us teenagers, pretty soon we're going to be just like you. We're going to have jobs and bills and families, and we're going to have to worry about our own children. I mean, I really wish that courtroom scene had been better, because I think there were interesting arguments to make from the standpoint of, like, you probably overreacted after this tragedy, thinking that everything that your thing will keep your like will keep your children safe but i wouldn't have gone to we all just need to like make mistakes and do stupid things because that's what being a kid is i wouldn't have gone there yeah so to speak okay after after discussing all of this uh-huh. i know you hated this movie yeah, I, did. I that is you have made this very clear <laughs> here are the things that have changed in my opinion after talking with you uh-huh you have convinced me to be a little bit more uncomfortable with sort of the crass talk of these teenagers. From 2084. Yeah. We'll, <laughs> yes. And we'll call it like the Julianne Huff, I guess, sexualization in this movie. Yeah. Those two things you have convinced me, that's not great. And I may have just given the movie a pass. I was with you as far as the plot being ridiculous. I am still there. And I think <laughs> we have both confirmed that Ren's dancing does not look necessarily cool. Is there anything that you have found joy in because of my arguments in this movie, even if you still dislike it? Not joy. I wouldn't say joy. (laughs) Never joy. There's the scene with Dennis Quaid and Ren in the church. Like, that's a decent scene. I liked the cotton gin owner guy. And that's a. And and, um, Ren's uncle. Wes. Wes. Unky Wes. Yeah, like those three things make up my whole one mason jar Mm. of rating for this movie. Did you like that final dance scene that you just watched while doing this podcast? It's fine. But aside from the payoff of Willard getting on the floor and a couple cool moves by random people, I don't know. It just still seems like unbelievable or... or Well, that's correct. Like like this is what That's why it's a movie. (laughs) No, I will, but even so, like, Step Up is more believable. Like, I believe Step Up could happen. You believe Step Up could happen? Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> I believe in Step Up. I, yeah. I think we also very much, I didn't say this, we, very, we have very different opinions of Willard. I feel like Willard perfectly encapsulates about 20 people I knew in high school who I didn't hang, I wasn't best friends with, I didn't hang out with a lot, but in small town usa he's the guy who will say something that's just like you shouldn't laugh at and it's not good but he actually has like a pretty kind heart but just kind of a rough crude exterior and that character i recognized and i liked him you did not know those people in your in your new york high school is what i'm saying i'm saying that i'm country so the the one thing the one moment i told whitney i liked of willard is when 
Ren and him first bump into each other in high school, and Ren tries to pick a fight. You know, he's he's trying to mm-hmm. get Willard going, and Willard does the good old Southern boy deal of like, let me show it to your next class. <laughs> and like that was the one time I was like, okay, if it was two Yankees, it would probably it might have been a fight, right? <laughs> you know, but in this case, like there was actually in Poughkeepsie, yeah, in Poughkeepsie, that's right. But uh, in this case, you know, Willard actually took the high road. Like that was probably the only redeeming moment of him, which was fine. But then they go to lunch and Ren talks about a fake encounter with two Russian women in a bathroom for five minutes. A gross story. A gross gross, story. See, and again, another point for hypersexualized movie. And so then I didn't, you know, I I forgot about (laughs) that moment. You're right. This movie is kind of randy, isn't it? Listeners, if you have thoughts on this movie... We would love to hear him. I would love to hear him, especially if you feel as strongly as I do about this movie. Or if you love this movie, we would love to hear on Instagram. Comment on the post when it goes up, at Movies on the Side. And if you would like to hear uh, a much more joyous episode, as opposed to me lambasting this movie, you can go to patreon.com slash movies on the side and hear about Nate's wardrobe choices and his hat and my cooking excursions from today's bonus episode. And it's been a while since we got a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. And so the next person that does it gets a free shout-out on the air from Nate and I <laughs> on the next episode. So give us a five-star rating and comment in Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it. You usually have to pay for those shout-outs. That's right, but you don't have to this time. We'll give you a shout-out for free. Let us see that five-star rating. And let me tell you, it is a review. No, that's stupid. Hold on. <laughs> I want to say, I want to say something else there. And get prepared. Get ready. Mm, no, and and gird <laughs> your good. loins. Stephen is. <laughs> no, the gird your loins is good. No. <laughs> it's good.